This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3701 for Monday, the 10th of October, 2022. Today's show is entitled, Ricer FS, The File System of the Future. It is the first show by new host Paul J and is about 18 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is, the history and future of Ricer FS, its involvement with DARPA, assorted murder, and colonel politics. Hi everyone, my name's Paul. I'm recording this show for Hacker Public Radio. This is my first show uh, recorded in Bedfordshire. For the more astute of you, you might recognize from my accent that I'm British, so that's in the UK. I'm a long-time listener and first-time contributor to HPR, so I will give you a bit of introduction to myself before I talk about my subject matter. I am a true full-stack developer, so I can design CPU architectures from the transistor level upwards, including firmware, uh, system software, back-end and front-end systems, and I also invented my own programming language. I work mostly in the automotive and manufacturing sectors, usually in specialist problem areas of automation and normalization and data processing, especially when it comes to getting disparate file formats and systems to talk to each other and play nicely. I was born at the start of the microcomputer revolution in the UK in the 80s, and the first computer I cut my teeth on was a BBC Micro, which was produced under licence from a company in the next county over from me, Cambridgeshire. This company was called Acorn Computers. I also used a ZX Spectrum, an Acorn Electron, a Commodore 64, and an Acorn Archimedes, which even to this day I believe is still ahead of its time. Most people outside the UK have never heard of Acorn Computers, but have heard of their most successful product, which today we know as ARM microprocessors. That stands for Advanced Risk Machines, but originally stood for Acorn Risk Machines. When Acorn decided to move away from the 6502 microprocessors that powered the likes of the BBC Micro and the Acorn Electron, they decided they needed something more powerful for their Archimedes range, so that's when they set upon creating their own CPU, which we now know as ARM. When Acorn was bought out and stopped producing computers, I moved on to the Commodore Amiga. I had an Amiga 600 and an Amiga 1200, and I think those computers also were very far ahead of their time back in the day. When I got to high school, I got my first exposure to Microsoft Windows, which compared to the Amiga Workbench just didn't really seem up to snuff and didn't really interest me very much, so I never pursued it. Around this time, I also had a job working in my town's first internet cafe, which was powered by Unix and Linux systems to manage the routing and the account management. And I started getting very familiar with these, and I thought the design was better, and it just clicked with me. Everything just seemed much more well thought through and more correct. I got a copy of Red Hat Linux, and this isn't Red Hat Enterprise Linux, that didn't exist back then, this was just plain Red Hat Linux, and I installed it on my home desktop computer, and I was fascinated by it, that I could get in there and tinker with everything. It, it blew my mind, and I wanted to learn everything about it. I kept that distro on there for a, a good couple of weeks before I did a search um, online, and to set the scene, this wasn't using Google, this was using a search engine you may have heard of called Eldavista. And I remember searching for what is the hardest Linux to learn. And the entire first page of results came back saying Slackware, Slackware, Slackware. And I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to learn this system, I'm going to dive in at the deep end and I'm going to download Slackware. When I downloaded it, version 8.0 was available, which only offered one filing system, ext 2 Shortly thereafter, version 8.1 came out, which offered two new filing systems, ext 3 and RiserFS, both of which were journaling filing systems, 
But as I'd played with Ext, I decided that I was going to give Riser FS a go. So I formatted my disk with that and started learning about Riser. When version 9 came along, Riser was made the default filing system, and around this point also it was the default for SUSE, Linspire, and Xandros Linux. So I've been a Slackware user for about two decades now in my personal and professional life, but I'm not a Linux zealot. I do believe in the right tool for the right job. I use a lot of virtual machines for cross-platform development, and I've developed solutions for Android and iOS and Linux and Windows and Mac, and I use free RTOS on my Pinetime smartwatch and Microsoft Windows on my Xbox games console. I've used the Amiga Workbench and BIOS and you name it. I'm very tech agnostic, provided the tech plays nicely with each other, which is what a lot of my working life involves. That's all that matters to me. But Slackware and Linux will always have a special place in my heart and always be what I consider home. Anyway, that's enough about me, and time to move on to the subject for the show, which is Riser Filing System. So before I decided to record this episode, I looked through the HPR history to see if anyone had covered it previously, and I was surprised to find it had only been briefly covered once before, in episode 1560 in July 2014. And that was in a series of talks about different filing systems by JWP, uh, who has recorded some great content, and I always look forward to his shows. So I want to uh, say thanks to him for including it, and I want to recap what he said and then expand on a few points in a bit more detail. So JWP's overview tells us that Riser Filing System was the first journaling filing system in Linux, created in 2001 by Hans Riser. It only supports write-back journaling mode, is one of the fastest journaling filing systems in Linux, uh, you can resize it, an existing filing system uh, online while it's still active and mounted. And it supports tail packing, which allows you to store data from one file into the empty blocks of another file. And some of these features were incorporated into ext 4 So expanding on these points from my own perspective and experiences, RiserFS is now 21 years old as of the date of this recording, and I use it almost exclusively. So why do I do this? Well, the biggest reason is that I've never lost any data on RiserFS, um, despite all sorts of problems, including physical failures and corruptions and especially user error. Uh, I use it on my laptops, which sometimes don't go to sleep properly or the power button gets knocked in the bag and the laptop just dies. Uh, and it always recovers fine without losing anything. I've had uh, mechanical failures that I've been able to fully retrieve the filing system from. And also... Uh, Sometimes uh, we will make the mistake where we've gone to format uh, a disk and have mistyped the device name. So in the past, I've tried to zero out a USB key. And instead of using DD to write zeros to slash dev slash SDB, I've written it to slash dev slash SDA. And after a few moments thought, that's strange. The USB key light's not flashing to tell me it's writing data. What am I doing? And then realized my terrible mistake and had to control C my way out of there and been left with a situation where I've got a filing system that's mounted and I've just overwritten the, the first, you know, 30 megabytes of it and I'm thinking well it's not going to boot again so I need to somehow recreate that but the rise of filing system tools have always let me recover from the most bizarre situations like this and I've just never lost a single file so it's very hard for me to want to give something up that's always been so reliable for me. Um, RiseFS also supports um, write back journaling mode um, which is quick but slightly less crash proof than the more common ordered journaling mode um, but because I don't really have use cases that um, are that extreme, I think that I've been absolutely fine with write-back journaling mode. Um, I find that the filing system is extremely fast. Um, RiseFS is based on uh, binary trees. Um, in fact, a specific type called a B-plus tree. Um, and these are uh, balancing um, binary trees. 
Um, for files typically smaller than a block, which is usually about four kilobytes, um, these are stored in the tree itself rather than um, the tree points of the blocks on the disk where the files are stored. Um, and this is uh, extremely well suited for Linux uh, general usage, where there's lots of small configuration files and cache files, and also for a lot of the um, ETL and data processing work that I do that has a huge number of small files, sometimes you know hundreds of thousands to millions, um, that aren't very big. Uh, it's a perfectly suited filing system for that. Um, and also uh, the tail packing, um, which is uh, technically called block sub allocation, uh, allows the filing system to take two files that may be, say your block size is four kilobytes and you have two files that are um, a kilobyte and two kilobytes and it can actually store them both in the one block to save having wasted space. Otherwise you'd have uh, one, one kilobyte file in one block and then three kilobytes wasted and then you'd have another two kilobyte file in another block and have two kilobytes wasted. Whereas Riser allows you to combine them both into the one block and that reduces fragmentation and wasted space. JWP mentioned in his show that a lot of these features made it through to X4, but tail packing isn't one of those features and X4 doesn't support tail packing, whereas RiserFS does. So I want to give a history of where RiserFS came from. Uh, it started at a company called Namesys, which was founded by Hans Riser in 1993. Um, there, the file system was uh, developed, with development being funded by a mix of proprietary licenses and sponsorship from the likes of SUSE Linux, mp3.com, bigstorage.com, uh, and as well as some sponsors who wanted to remain anonymous. It was the first journaling filing system released initially in standard Linux, uh, kernel 2.4.1. However, it was already possible to get journaling filing systems from patches and unofficial kernels before this, but RiserFS was the first to make it into the mainline kernel, and that was quite a significant achievement for Namesys. As time went on, new academic ideas and innovations regarding filing systems and data storage from collaborations between Namesys and the Moscow State University and the Program Systems Institute of the Russian Academy of Sciences uh, began to accumulate. Uh, but due to the limits in the existing RiserFS version 3 codebase and some inherent shortcomings with some previous design choices, Namesys decided to complete development on the project and declare it feature complete. Uh, with it only receiving critical security and bug fixes going forward. The company decided to move on from the existing codebase and to restart the RiserFS project from scratch uh, and call the project Riser 4. Uh, it would combine the latest innovations uh, with the experience of the previous incarnations of the filing system. Uh, SUSE Linux made a commitment to switching from RiserFS to Riser 4 as the default filing system in its upcoming distributions. In 2002, the project caught the attention of the US Pentagon's Research and Development Section, DARPA, which stands for the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, which provided a $600,000 US dollar grant for the project to build the filing system of the future. It was also sponsored by Linspy Linux, uh, which already made RiserFS its default filing system by this point. The Riser 4 project progressed and uh, work on it was slowly being completed over the course of a few years, um, bringing our history forward to October 2006 where Hans Riser was arrested for the suspected murder of his estranged wife. Now I won't go into 
too much detail on this as there's plenty of other information online um, if this interests you to learn uh, and I want to focus more on the technical aspects. But Namesys employees continue to work on Riser 4 uh, during these events um, and in late December 2006 Hans Riser attempted to sell Namesys to fund the legal costs for his trial but he didn't find a buyer uh, as of March 2008 and the company eventually ceased commercial activity that year just as Riser 4 was nearly completed. Namesys employees, including Edward Shishkin, continued to work on the GPL code and released it via his personal website and then eventually from kernel.org. The Riser 4 project uh, was shortly thereafter completed according to the roadmap, and the patch sets for various kernel versions were released and Riser 4 arrived, feature-packed and included many new and innovative approaches to filing systems, including a move from B-plus trees to dancing trees, which is a concept invented by Hans Reiser, whereby the tree balancing occurs only on a flush to save unnecessary and expensive disk operations. Some of the Riser 4 features are quite ahead of their time and have been the inspiration for other filing systems which have adopted some of these ideas and approaches. Whilst Namesys or at least the former employees thereof, may have achieved the DARPA request of building the filing system of the future. As of the date of recording, and despite several years of requests from the developers, the code has not been merged into the mainline kernel. Of course, there have been claims that the reason for this is not based on technical merit, but on political stands considering the history of Hans Reiser, but the ex-Namesys developers have not given up hope and maintain compatible patch sets with kernels released even as recently as a month ago as of the date of this recording. On the last day in 2019, the lead developer of Riser 4, Edward Shishkin, announced the development of Riser 5 in a lengthy post to the Linux kernel mailing list, detailing even more fundamental and innovative approaches to filing systems, including some approaches now already used by ZFS or ZFS. Despite the continued development and updating of the RiserFS and Riser 4 codebases, the Linux kernel has deprecated RiserFS in version 5.18 and plans to remove it completely in 2025. Although RiserFS does suffer from some problems, including the YK38 bug, whereby the file system time integer will wrap around in the year 2038, such problems are not present in Riser 4 and shouldn't be obstacles to the technical adoption of the filing system to replace the aging Riser 3 version that we have in the kernel right now. As a long-term RiserFS user, I now need to consider the alternative filing systems to switch to if Riser 4 is not going to be adopted. Um, I think ButterFS sounds the most appealing out of everything available, considering it's got mainline kernel support and um, also has a lot of uh, quite modern filing system features. But I welcome any suggestions that the community might make uh, for me to uh, help me uh, find a path forwards on this. But whilst it's still available, I want to share some lessons learned and experienced gain from two decades of using RiserFS uh, in many places, and also the lessons learned on places you shouldn't use it. Uh, first of all, uh, do not use it on a USB key, because uh, when you format the drive, it has to put a lot more uh, data structures on the drive, including the journal, um, and that takes up a lot more space than an X3 or a VFAT partition would, um, and it's uh, slower to write to. Um, also, never use it in a VM. Uh, in fact, never put any riser filing system inside another. Uh, you should um, hopefully never need to be in a position to recreate your filing system after a crash or if you have to attempt a recovery after some uh, error or a, a deep disk scan. Uh, but if you ever do find yourself in that position, um, if one riser filing system is embedded in another, such as a, a disk machine um, image or a backup, 
the uh, tools to recover the filing system will then read into the filing system within a filing system and start recovering phantom files that were never part of the uh, the outer master filing system. Um, I had this issue uh, once um, when I had to uh, recover from a disk crash that uh, it also in my lost and found directory stored some files that were originally stored inside a VM. So uh, never do that. Um, uh, some fun quirks about Riser. Uh, there's a virtual um, directory called dot riserfs underscore priv uh, in the root directory um, and that's used to store the extended attributes file um, you can't ls this or cd into it or write to it um, your calls to such file operations will just fail uh, but this um, virtual uh, directory and file were linked to a security bug um, that has now been fixed um, where the incorrect file permissions were uh, granted uh, to anyone that um, wanted to do something nefarious with it, uh, such as an attacker uh, that could use it to gain extended privileges. Uh, but that, unfortunately, has now been taken care of. There are several tools that you can use to manage your Riser filing system, uh, including standard tools such as MKRiserFS, which is used to make the filing system, and RiserFSCK, which is used to check the filing system. There's also RiserFS Tune, which you can use to modify the parameters of the filing system, such as the label and the uh, time between it being checked and um, hash functions. And you also have resize underscore RiserFS, which is the tool mentioned by JWP that allows you to grow a Riser filing system that's online, provided the underlying block storage device has enough space for the filing system to grow. But of course, to shrink it, you have to unmount it. Um, but it can be shrunk, provided that the block device that it's on is not made smaller than the file system itself. Uh, and there's also a very interesting tool called Debug Riser FS that allows you to um, examine the uh, journal and the um, block structure of the filing system. You can see what files are stored where and what their attributes are and such things. So if you wanted to have a bit of a low-level poke at your filing system, uh, you can pass in the hyphen D flag, and that lets you start to explore in the console a lot of information about what's going on uh, under the hood in the filing system. I won't get too far down in the weeds describing the other options available, but it's worth checking out if you have a riser filing system and want to learn a bit more about what your system's actually doing. I want to say uh, thank you to everyone for making it this far and listening to me. Um, I hope that you enjoyed my content. Uh, I hope that it was uh, accurate and error-free, but if there are any corrections, please do, of course, contact me. Uh, I'd love to um, see some comments on the show. Uh, it's my uh, my first show, so hopefully everyone will be kind, and I hope you enjoyed um, my content. Uh, I'd love to make some uh, new connections, and um, I'm working on a, a small series, uh, which I hope will be ready in the next couple of weeks, which I uh, look forward to sharing with you all. So uh, again, thank you. This is uh, Paul signing off, and I hope you all have a great day. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. 